be glad that you were not in this movie. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, as you can hear, I am uh, dying, I guess. Um, so, this week... You, no, you just inhaled too much glitter. God damn Stop it, woman. Let me finish the intro so no. they can get excited about the fact that you're here. So, this week, as you can hear, um, we're going to have Brit on both portions of the show. So, you get a double dose of Brit because uh, she watched the, the Beguiled with me, which is the movie we're going to talk about this week because we uh, um, we did Lost in Translation earlier in the week, so we kind of tied it in with Sofia Coppola's newest. So, um, so let me just start really quickly and then I'll let you dive in. I can tell you're he's like a, chomping at the bit. He's, he's scared to let me see anything is what it really comes it's down true. to. So I feel about this movie like Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda. Disappointed. Like that's the only word I can really think of to describe how I feel because I was really looking forward to this. Like this is one of those movies that it was one of maybe four or five movies coming out this year that I was like, I can't wait to see that and the beguiled was one of those and um there's a lot of different takes on this movie that i've, I've kind of read a lot of positive and a lot of negative seems to be more positive than negative and i just really were yeah, they watching the same fucking movie i guess um but i just can't get on board with this movie um and i did go back and watch the original after we saw this and it uh it actually made it feel even worse um so i was not a fan of this movie what about you uh so I think we talked about it during the trailers. Like when I first saw this trailer, I was really excited. Like I messaged mm-hmm. Dave, I'm like, "Oh my god, have you seen the trailer for this?" Because it's right up my alley for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watched it. So why was it up your alley? Before we get into like your reaction to the movie, it was that it was a period piece. It was that um, it was leaning more on the darker side of things. It had like the slight tinge, and it of, definitely of a, stays in there. Yeah, it, of it's a dark. suspense movie or a horror movie. Like it, it felt very much like a gothic novel, which I enjoy. Um, so, yeah, uh, I would, I mean, I, I was hoping Elle Fanning was going to actually, uh, act <laughs> She's fucking time. garbage. She's terrible. Like, she's good very rarely, I think, so I just I expect happened, bad So, I think what happened up. is that Neon Demon, like, sponged all the other things that she had done, so, like, I got excited that she was in a movie. But you have to remember, like, I mean, not to be a dick. Okay, I'm just gonna be a dick. I don't think it took very much acting for her to be in the Neon no. Demon. No. Like, she was supposed to be pretty and vapid and yeah. horrible and like oh there you are and maybe like, maybe i just got distracted by how pretty that movie was in general it's a very pretty um, movie so as is this yeah and, and so, so i like i got excited about like the cast a little bit um not so much nicole kidman and even less about nicole kidman as we watched the movie hmm. um Kristen dunce i usually hate yeah but i thought she was the best part of this movie oh really yeah huh I think for me, not to be fucking that guy. You're gonna be sexist, aren't you? Uh, I am. You I are. think I think Colin Farrell is really good here. I think oh, he's excellent. Oh, I thought you were gonna tell me it was Henry. Henry? Oh no, 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 not Henry. We'll get into that in spoilers. Um, but I thought Colin Farrell was really good. I also thought um, um, Angari Rice was really good. She was the one who like didn't want him there. 
who was like playing the piano. Yeah. She was really I good. I was actually really impressed with all the younger actresses. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the kids were really good. Yeah. Uh, and I have actually, so much to say about this on spoilers though. Yeah. Actually, I don't even feel like, even Elle Fanning, like it was over the top and ridiculous, but I don't know how much of that is due to direction and the script rather than her performance. Yeah. Well, that script was crap. Yeah. There's a lot wrong there. Um, but I don't think any actor in particular was bad here. I thought they were all serviceable to good to very good performances. Yeah, they just had a shit screenplay. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's pretty surprising coming from Sofia Coppola. She also wrote the screenplay, but she also wrote the screenplay for Marie, Ant- Marie Antoinette and Lost in Translation. Like, it's not like she can't write a script. But it, it made me wonder, like, was she, like, hampered by working from from something that already existed she has said many times this is not a remake of the 1971 movie um but it is based on the same novel so she is but she is adapting from previous stuff and maybe that hamstrung her and maybe that's just that's a really difficult thing to do yeah i mean you like if you can't sit there and say it's not a remake but still try to use the source material when obviously the 1970s movie was taking some shit straight from source material no, but she said, like, people kind of, not accused her, but said, like, oh, this is a remake of the 1971. And she was like, I didn't look at that movie. I just looked at the book. Right. So but, mm. there, there's two subtly different things there. Mm. They're using the same source material, but she's not. It would be like, you know, you're a big Harry Potter fan, right? So there are lots of changes made from from novel to screen. If you were to remake these 20 years from now, there's a difference between like I'm doing a remake of the film version and I'm doing a remake of the book version. And for her, she said, I'm remaking the book. I'm making the book into a film and I'm not taking that other movie into, into account at all. Okay. I think it's a different process. Maybe her issue was editing too much out of the source material. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't read the book, but like it's, I don't know if I want to at this point. My biggest issue with this, and I'll try not to get too spoilery is In all of these interviews that we kind of talked about last week, where we're kind of annoyed with the way she dealt with race, the thing she kept mentioning is this is about gender in the antebellum South. Yeah. Um, To me... This movie was insulting. Okay. So we will get to that. We'll get to how (laughs) you feel as a woman about this movie, because it's definitely a very different perspective than mine. But as kind of from the outside looking in, as a guy watching this, not that like I couldn't tell who was playing who, but it's hard to tell these women apart. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to all want different versions of the same thing. It's all about, it seems to be all about attention, yep. whether it's sexual attention or just like, cause there's a the little girls who like, you know, the girl with the turtle and the, you know, the, the mushrooms and all that. They want his attention in a different way. They want this male attention, whether it's a fatherly thing or a little school girl, school girl crush. But then you have the older characters and everyone seems to be all about Colin Farrell's dick, which I don't blame them for. Like, I would be too, but, like, do I need four different versions of that? Do I need the, like, matriarchal version of that? And, you know, and then you have the Kirsten Dunst version, and then you have, like, the the horny teenager version in Elva. Like, it just, they didn't stand out enough for me, and it actually paints women with a really ugly brush. Yeah. Like, there's not, is there a redeemable female character in this movie? No, there's not. And I think that's that's part of the thing for me is that, because Dave and I got into a very heated discussion of over the interviews with um, with Sofia Coppola and like the the gender versus race issue because I thought it was I had a very hard time with the fact that there was um, women of color that got erased. Mm-hmm. And, like we got into a very deep discussion about like why that was an issue or not. Um, and literally one of the first things I said walking out of this movie was 
be glad that you were not in this movie because <laughs> if you don't have enough struggle already, this movie has yet again put women 100 years back. Yeah, and that is really, like, if you look at Sofia Coppola's past, that's really strange. Because like, all her other movies are empowering for women. Right. This one was not. And we'll talk about Marie Antoinette later because that'll be part of Brit's film education. But that's a perfect example of taking something historical and making it a little more empowering and, and painting a, a picture of a demonized woman in a very different light. Right. And this just seems to like, yeah, they're all horrible. You know, like the whole... Um, the whole, uh, the way they pumped this movie up, the way they supported it was like, you know, their hashtag was like vengeful bitches, right. you know? And I was hoping that was tongue in cheek, but it did kind of seem like that. No, yeah. You know? And and the other thing, you know, without getting into the spoilers of why this happens, the kind of turn that Colin Farrell's character takes later in the movie, uh, one, I felt like this should have happened way earlier. And mm -hmm. two, it just seemed like it didn't seem... It didn't really seem like it fit with his character. This is, this is for once one of those times where I'm like, I want the movie the trailer promised me. Right. The trailer was way better than this movie wound up being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, like I keep going back to, like, it's just really disappointing. Like, I think there are, there are kernels of a great story here. There's good stuff here. It's just like, I, I feel like Sofia Coppola had a, like a vision in mind. Like she definitely had what she wanted the movie to look like. And I think she really accomplishes that. It does feel like it's set in a gothic horror novel, but the script kind of betrays that. Like just because you have horrible things happen to people doesn't make this scary, doesn't make it creepy. I mean, our audience was laughing in yeah. really inappropriate places. Like yeah. it wasn't meant, like you can try and paint this as a, as dark comedy all Dave, you want. Dave was but, one of the people who were laughing. At oh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the scene where I laughed cause it's funny. Fuck you. <laughs> that, that scene is hilarious. But like, it was just, and it wasn't, sometimes you get a movie that's like so deep that people laugh because they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. That was not the case. That's not what this was. Like no. it was, it was mockery. Yeah. You know? And this is, you know, this is a movie that is, you know, by critics, pretty well thought of. I think it's like in the 70s for a uh, for Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. That's where she won Best Director at Cannes, which is great that a woman won that. But I And I feel like this movie is well-directed, like, visually. But, like, the writing of this movie is just... Also, there's a lot of things in here that feel way too modern. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that Sofia Coppola definitely plays with. And we'll talk about that when we talk about Marie Antoinette later. But I think in this movie in particular, in The Beguiled, I think she fails. I think it, there are many moments in the movie where I was just like, this doesn't fit. Right. You know, especially with Elle Fanning and the way she quote unquote flirts in this oh, movie. God. It is super modern. It's super blunt and doesn't make any sense given really the time period. It was painful to watch. So why was it painful to watch? Is it just because of her acting, or is it it's, like it's not just it's just it's it's not just because of her acting? I mean, that's a big part of it, obviously. Sure. Um, but it goes back to like like trying to take Sofia Coppola's words to heart of like how this is supposed to be about gender and everything like that. Mm -hmm. That character in particular is like that's the girl that we tell everybody to hate. Right. Right. That's the and and that's essentially what she does with all the other characters too, right? Everybody despises this character like low level, but never ever says anything. So mm -hmm. it's like you get the backstabbing bitches kind of mentality, right? So it just 
eroded the whole idea of girl power that was supposedly supposed to be in this movie to begin with. Like, she was the worst stereotype trope harlot ever. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's everything you've ever seen in any movie or any book about this type of material. And it's just, it's so blunt and it's so, it's done with such a sledgehammer that it's, and again, this, I keep coming back to this, but it's so shocking coming from Coppola because like, you know, you can talk about like what she does with Color Scheme and other movies, but she is not a blunt filmmaker. She's actually relatively subtle with the stuff she's, she's dealing with. Sometimes she uses blunt techniques to kind of hide the subtle message that she's using. But like here, you just, you don't get any of that. And I feel like this is such, this is such a step backwards for her and her career. Like it's, it's really kind of, it's really kind of sad to watch. And I think some of it comes from like pretty much all of her movies, maybe except the bling ring have been relatively like, even, even if they weren't liked when they first came out, people looking back at them, like Marie Antoinette did not do great as far as critics when it first came out. But if you look online and people talking about it, like people talking about like, Oh, we miss this one. Like this is actually really excellent. So like, you know, maybe because she's so well thought of that, like she doesn't have enough people telling her no or, or she's not listening enough. I don't know what it is, but like this movie was really disheartening because I really thought like, I want to hear what she has to say about gender. And it was honestly, if you had told me some chauvinist guy made it, I wouldn't have been surprised. But maybe that, maybe that is how she feels about gender and we should probably like stop watching her movies no I, I don't think that's fair i mean i think i think everybody gets everybody gets a couple a couple passes you know i don't know if you get a pass after this really like you're yeah. never gonna watch another coppola movie it, it's really kind of like i didn't even really want to watch marie antoinette mm-hmm. because no. of your experience watching the beguile mm-hmm. okay you it's so funny because like i feel like i am i can be overly critical but i think like when you hit your line it's just like you are fucking done. Yep. Like, no, I'm fucking done. I don't need to watch you. Yep. With I'm, everything. I'm through. Movies, relationships. Yeah. Just draw Foods. that. Just drop the hammer and I'm fucking done with yep. this. That's, yeah. Um. So I want to try and focus at least a little bit on any bit of positivity that we can. Because I don't want this to just be like, it's a piece of shit. It's the worst movie ever. Because I don't think it is. I don't think it's the worst movie I've even seen this year. I mean, I'll, I'll like, the design of the movie is great. Mm-hmm. But that can't hold the movie up. Like it had, it had amazing scenery. The mm-hmm. costuming was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not enough. Yeah, I mean, I think Coppola does really know how to how to set a scene. Like she really, she has an an eye for the aesthetic, and she that definitely comes through. Aesthetic, and she definitely knows how to manipulate her environment with her soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but like, definitely. So, like that, like it doesn't it doesn't forgive any of the things that she did with those characters. Mm-hmm. I think my other complaint is I feel like she was trying to build sexual tension. Like there is a, there's a sponge bath scene, but it happens so early in the movie that it doesn't, it doesn't really have the effect, the desired effect. I think what she's trying to take a look at is the idea of like what repressed sexuality and isolation will do to these women. But it like, that happens what, like what, 30 minutes into the movie like it's just like yeah, and it was, hold and, it back a little and bit. And that scene in itself was somewhat painful. Like it was drawn out. Mm-hmm. It, it was, and it was drawn out in a way that it didn't, it didn't build tension in a way that was sexy mm. or like constructive. Okay. It was just like, oh, when's this going to be over? You just wanted it to end. Yeah. That was like, your... I like. I get it. You're scared. He has a dick. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is essentially what that whole sequence is building to. 
is the fact that like that's the only area she doesn't clean and you see like her hands tremble when she gets to that when uh, she yeah, gets to that I'm, area like, just talking like, about it i'm over it yeah all right um so obviously neither one of us uh enjoyed this movie but you know your mileage may vary there are plenty of people who really did like this movie it's but okay to be wrong but it's interesting because i've talked to including you a lot of women i respect and most of the women i respect did not like this movie. Good. And that says kind of everything I need to know. If, if you you're continue making, to respect those women. If you're making a movie about gender and intelligent women are having this intense negative reaction to it, like maybe we need to rethink things. But, all right. So from here, we are going to go to spoilers. Yay. Um, I'm going to talk all the shit. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. I'm peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right, so we're in the spoiler section now, so whatever it is you were holding back on before, uh, please okay. uh, go ahead. All right, so first of all, Elle Fanning's character, like, seriously, the fact that, they, like, they make her the biggest whore ever, and she's supposed to be, like, 16. Mm-hmm. So, like... Not only that, but then she's, like, she's mean to all the other girls. She's one that everybody despises. I hate the fact that they then, like, turned her around and make her into this character where she was, um, like, claiming rape. Right. Like, that really pissed me off. Like, don't sit there and say this is a movie about empowering women, and then you're going to sit there and be like, oh, but women fake rape. No, fuck Mm. you. Interesting. You have too many people who have been victims and survivors that are watching this movie and mm-hmm. you have just perpetuated yet again that a woman is going to claim that she was sexually assaulted to protect herself from somebody. Mm-hmm. Like that but is. But doesn't shit. it make sense given the time period? Like there's so much stigma against. I mean, there still is, but especially during that time period, there's a lot of stigma for a a woman having sex who isn't married. I don't. I don't. I don't care. Not not with how Sofia Coppola was trying to present that this movie was going to be about. Like, and be, also because nobody called her out on it. Like, mm. if she wanted to make that claim of, like, oh, what this you mean was, none of the other characters? Yeah, none of the other characters called mm. her out on it. Because everybody saw her behavior with this guy, and they're still just going to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, no, he was probably forcing himself on her. Mm. And, but the thing is, is, like, like that, I feel like that didn't even need to, like, come up. Those sentences yeah. did not need to be there. It could have been left of... It doesn't it was change a, anything. I mean, it's already a horrible movie about women, um, but it could have just been left to, like, bitches be in a competition. Mm-hmm. It, we did not have to go down the road of she's going to claim rape and then like have it be like this really weird non-issue. Right. Um, I felt like that was just insulting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems with, with that sequence in particular and the lack of, the lack of discussion between these women. And I think it, it really hurts the end of the movie because I, I mean, maybe not, but I thought what Coppola was going for with the end of this movie is kind of like, you're supposed to be happy about this man's death. Yeah. But like, it just, like, I didn't even, I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel sad. It just kind of happened. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this is where we end the movie. Like this blah feeling. Everything that had been built up was that it was going to be this man who forces himself into the house and is abusing these women and they are going to build themselves up. And take him out. Mm-hmm. That is what I was expecting. Right. And what it turned into were these conniving, 
backstabbing, sex-crazed females, and you actually wind up feeling bad for the guy at the end. Yeah, even, I mean, not sex-crazed, but even the little kids. Like, the little kids are the ones that come up with the idea with the poison mushrooms. Right. <laughs> like, oh my god. Well, I mean, no but, I mean, but those girls were following in the footsteps of the older women, like, right. putting on jewelry to be noticed, and mm-hmm. there were some, like, really kind of little gross moments like that, too, right. where they were, they, the, she was sexualizing the little girls, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. I, not as much as Elle Fanning and Kristen Dunst and, and um, whatever her stupid face is who can't keep an accent. Nicole Kidman. Jesus, you're so brutal. <laughs> I like Nicole Kidman in this movie. I had no problem no, with her performance. I, I thought she was good. God, but, well, that's obviously because you weren't listening. No, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I think you are way more judgmental when it comes to accents and when it comes to costumes. Like, I just, I just... Unless it's terrible, Stick, like I let it, it go. It was terrible. It wasn't. It was fine. She had like six different inflections throughout the entire. It was fine. No, Whatever. No. Didn't bother find, me. Find something that, that works and stick to it. Like Colin Farrell can't do a. Wait, that's the right name. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's okay. his name. Yeah. Uh, he can't do an accent that's Southern. Okay, he came from Dublin. Boom. She can't do an accent that's Southern. Then give her something else. Hmm. All right. Get, and plus you're clearly also, very invested in this accent. That's. It was bad. It okay. was very distracting. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm trying to think of. Oh, yeah, we talked about how his turn didn't really didn't really work for me, and I would actually be really interested to hear a take on this from uh, the disabled community because in the beginning of the movie, like he kind of talks about like you know I'd rather be a coward than be dead. Yeah. Right. So it's okay that I ran ran away from the army. So he's already set up that this he's not. He's not attached to his masculinity in that way, or at least that's the story he's telling. But then when they have to amputate his leg while he's knocked out to save his life, um, his response is like, I don't, basically, I don't have a leg. I'm, I might as well not be a man at all. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. And, no, no, no. And no it, inter- was, it was, I'm no longer a man, so I should just be dead. Right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And the interesting thing, I brought up seeing the, uh, the original, 1971, same thing happens, of course, because mm-hmm. it's based on the same book, and you never hear anything like that. So it's interesting. So it wasn't something, maybe it's in the book. I don't know. But it wasn't something that needed to be there. And I was just like, oh, what an interesting. Just another misstep from Sofia Coppola. And I think they just wanted, I think what they wanted to do was hammer home his his turn at the end there when he snaps. Because this is what but, has to but the thing lead is, to is him like, snapping. So like, he snaps and then he goes right back to being a pleasant character because he fucks Crimson Dunst. Like... Yeah, well, maybe it's maybe she's that good. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, but here's a, but but here's the thing. Like you have once again illustrated every single abusive relationship mm-hmm. that's ever happened. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy or girl, whatever. Mm. I go crazy. I throw some shit. I threaten your life. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please take me back. Mm. Except there's no real apology here. He just kind no, of slides he in. No, he does. He does apologize. Oh yeah, I guess he you're apologizes right. To, and he apologizes. Sorry for to my several, explosion. And, yeah, yeah, like he sure. apologizes to several of the different girls ahead of time to like try and get back in the good graces of the matron. Sure. And then even at the dinner, he apologizes again. Mm. But the thing is, is that like yeah, they don't they don't actually like accept him back in. They kill him. But um, <laughs> the like the like the the snap should have happened earlier. Mm. It should have been more prolonged. There should have been things that happened to several of the girls in order to bring them together. And then they should have, like, taken him out to, like, reclaim right. what was theirs. And I think this goes back to there's no discussion between these women. 
Like, I no, think if you have a couple sequences with them going like, oh, this is really messed up. We need to do something about it. Instead of just like, we entire, need him to die. Yeah, but the like, entire movie just, is about them winning his attention. And right. then when they can't get his attention, they go after the other girls. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely you're, not the You're best. just perpetuating that women should be competing against each other in order to get attention from a man. Right. Why? Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I, I hope that's not the message she was going for, but it certainly, it definitely comes across. I mean, that's. That's something that, that as I walked out of the movie, that's why I was like, none of these women are good. Why am I rooting for yeah, that? Yeah, right. So it was one of those things that like we also, um, we saw this with one of our other friends who, you know, PhD, engineer, female. And even she was going like, so what this movie has hammered home for me is that all men are pigs and women be bitches and hoes. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's what this movie shame. said. Like that's summarizing it. That's what that was about. Yeah. Like, all women are harlots and hussies and all they care about are getting fucked. And stabbing each other in the back. And guys are all pigs. Because not at any point was he honest about who he had actual affection for. If he did, he was playing all of them. He was playing all of them, for sure. And, and, you know, that's one thing I'll say. I think Colin Farrell performed that very well. I think you you could see why these women liked him. Like, he is very charming no, yeah. in Colin all Farrell, those different Colin roles. Colin Farrell was great, and he was great when he, like, finally exploded. Um, but, like we keep saying, the screenplay was shit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to... Oh, we have to talk, talk about, about what Henry. made me laugh. Yeah, we have to talk um, about Henry. So, <laughs> so when he snaps and he's like waving a gun around and all that, um, the little girl... I think it was the little girl who saved him, right? Yes, yeah, the little yeah. girl who saved him. Um, played by Una Lawrence, who's also quite good in this movie. Um, if you want to see her in something else, she was in Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal. And she has a pet turtle. Uh, and as a child would do uh, in this circumstance, kind of when like... Like when your parents are fighting, you try anything to distract them. She kind of holds up her turtle and says, you're scaring Henry. And he like knocks it out of her hand and throws it against the no, wall. No, he literally picks it up and yeah, chucks it. Chucks it against the wall and the, you know, the turtle dies. And I could not stop laughing because it's just, it's in a movie like this, if the characterization doesn't work, if the script doesn't work, moments like this are so over the top that they become hilarious and you mean it was, like get me the anatomy book that's yeah, our other and, favorite quote yeah it's just you know and that was in the trailer and it was supposed to be and it felt like gothic horror and i was like i can't wait for that line it feels like a frankenstein type type moment and it just like and then they just fade to black through that you don't get any of that you don't get any of the gore or the or the surgical stuff you get none of that they just kind of like and the next morning you woke up with a stump and you're like, yeah, and it what? was like a perfectly healed stump no blood nothing yeah i mean like our friend uh who has who has knowledge about this stuff, was very annoyed by that. And I honestly could not care less. Like, I get why they did that. That's fine. But, like, you don't like you don't make a gothic horror movie and then fade to black. Like, that's cheap. That feels like, I don't know how to film this, so I'm just going to yeah, move on. Yeah, I mean, on. if you're going to fade to black, at least fade to black with screams. Yeah. Or, like, the sound of the saw. Instead or we, something. Instead, we get that the next morning with him, like, freaking out oh. when they, when they pull the was, curtain back. And it just, stupid. it didn't play very, oh, oh, there was one other thing I'm going to mention. I'm going to be crass. Uh, in this moment, oh, oh. Um, right after, not right after, but after he loses his leg, there's a sex scene between him oh, and Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. And all I kept thinking was, okay, you've had two legs all your life. You've fucked in one way or another your whole life. You've thrusted in the same manner. Yep. And all of a sudden you have one leg and you're still just, you're going to do the same thing. There's not going to be any struggle. There's not going to be a moment where you fall over. Like, come on. Yeah, like, there, I expected that there, would to, be difficult. Be, I expected there just... to be some fumbling <laughs> right. or like for things like flip over and her Or her to on get top. on top. Yeah. yeah. Like, come no. on. <laughs> no, because we still had to show that there was a domination of women. Oh, Gross. Yeah, so uh, not great. Uh, I don't think I'll ever watch this again. I might watch uh, the 1971 version again. It's actually quite good. It's crazy, people. If you wanna, if you wanna watch it, it's 
it should be relatively easy to find. I think it's streaming on Amazon. Like, I think you have to pay for the rental, but it's Clint Eastwood in the Colin Farrell role. And it is, uh, I, the best way I've heard it, I heard it described on another podcast as this movie feels sweaty. And that is like the <laughs> perfect descriptor for it. Like, it feels kind of gross, gross, but it's like, but it's this enjoyable process. It's like, it knows it's dirty and it just goes for it. Whereas this movie is, and I think she's going for this with the repression angle. Every, she holds everything back. And it, but it, but she never lets it loose, and that's unfortunate. That I think that sex scene and the death scene later are supposed to be her letting go of the reins and just letting that go. But it all feels still so restrained even yeah. in those moments. So, yeah. So neither of us liked this movie very much. Uh, if you liked it, uh, feel free to email me and give me your take. I'd love to hear someone's positive review of this. Uh, so you can, of course, find uh, me on Twitter at PCK Study, or you can email me popculturecasestudy at gmail.com. All right, so we are going to take a quick break uh, that will have an ad for another podcast, and then we will come back with part two of Brit for Fangirl Fixation and Marie Antoinette. Hello, my name is Andrew. I'm the host of The Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied nature of Australian cinema. If you've ever seen an Australian film and thought, man, I wish more people could see that, then this show aims to do just that. By bringing you reviews of the latest Australian films, as well as retrospective looks at notable and forgotten films from Australia's history, The Last New Wave aims to help further the audience of Australian cinema. We also aim to deliver looks behind the scenes with interviews with directors, producers, and actors of Australian films, such as the director of The Man from Hong Kong, Brian Trenchard-Smith, and the director of All This Mayhem, Eddie Martin. So, make sure to check out The Last New Wave by heading over to AB filmreview.com for episodes or following on twitter or facebook at the last new wave all right and we're back uh we're back for fangirl fixation uh and because i just have to say this say hello brit no <laughs> okay all right so now that brit has had a chance to take a breath after getting all worked up all over again uh, about sofia coppola's what latest breath? i didn't take a breath yet i didn't get no crispy <laughs> mms i'm still on it take one deep cleansing breath and we'll, you. we'll get to this. massage <laughs> All right. Um, so anything else you want to talk about other than um, your film education and uh, the movies coming out this week? I finally played my Switch and got some time on... Uh, on the big screen on, yeah. even. Yeah. yeah. I was I was always really concerned about that, like how it was going to look when we put it through the TV. And it still has some really good graphics. And I finally got to play some Zelda and smash some things and have people tell me to go pick peppers while I had a torch in my hand. And I lit everything on fire, including myself. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it was good the time. huge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. So, uh, this week for film education, it's really more my film education than yours. Cause I yeah. like you had seen it before. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, so. well, I kept saying, I was like, I think I've seen this. I think I've seen this. And Dave's like, no, I don't think you did. I'm like, mm. that's not what happened. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. We're going to move on. Dave All right. wants, it. Dave wants so, to change it. He was like, you're going to nope. watch it anyways, even though you think you've seen it. Nope, not true. Yeah. All right. So uh, as I was just about to mention, so this Lies. week we watched uh, Marie Antoinette, which of course, Sofia Coppola's uh, earlier work uh, before Lost in Translation. Maybe it was after Lost. I can't remember, but definitely before The Beguiled. You are not prepared so, for this. No, not at all. Am I ever? No, not really. So I um, have a tab open so you can cheat. It's true. It's open somewhere, but I just don't have the energy. So, what did you think of your now second watch of Marie Antoinette? Um, I remember it being worse. Okay, so you didn't like it when you first. I saw it. like. I hated it. That's why when like I kept like thinking like I think I've seen this. Oh, that's right. You said like you wanted a Knight's Tale, right? Huh? Yeah. Oh, well, I said that I think that I felt like it was her take on A Knight's Tale, like with the modern music and whatever, mm. but it didn't like hit home enough. Like, I know mm. you hate A Knight's Tale. Yeah, I was going like, to say, this is where Britt hates me because I think uh, this is her take on A Knight's Tale, except it's good. 
No. Um, I think I think the big difference with the modern music is A Knight's Tale. Oh, this is a terrible pun. Try to have its cake and eat it too. Uh, um, <laughs> let them eat cake. Um, where they threw in the modern music, but they also had it be a part of this ancient world, and that really didn't work for me. Where like you had the fans like singing along to this modern music, where this always had the modern music as more like score right. than it did as a part of the world. So I could kind of accept it and be like, oh, that's okay. That's her setting the mood for our modern ears, but it's never it's never like infringing upon this old world that she's presenting. See, for me, that's where it made it harder when there was like, okay, she's sticking to a stylized period movie, but then mm-hmm. having that music in the background was really grating to me at times. Mm-hmm. Because with the mo- with, with a nice tale, they would have the modern twist in the movie, so then it felt like it fit more. Hmm. And this was very like it was not. It's interesting. Like we had the same thing, but we looked yeah, at it completely exactly. opposite. Yeah. Um. So it was better this time than you remember. It, it was better this time. I remember hating it, like like really, really hating it, and being disappointed when I first saw it. And it was probably also an age thing. Cause I think when this first came out, I was probably like early teens. Hmm. Yeah, I think this came out two thousand six. Um, it was 11 years ago. And and I remember that the trailer, like, they really pumped up the I want candy scene. I think that's actually, that you bring that up, that's the reason I never saw it. Yeah. Like I saw the trailer and I was like, fuck that. Right. Not interesting. Right. So then, like, <laughs> so it pumped that up. So I thought it was very much going to be like a Knight's Tale, the tongue-in-cheek kind of mm-hmm. thing with a little bit more comedy. And that's not what it was at all. No, no. So I think watching it the second time, like, actually being able to appreciate it for what it was worked a little bit better. Um, I also really hated Kristen Dunst when I first watched this. I still hate her, but I think this is one of her better movies. I was just going to say that, actually. I think that's another reason I didn't see it. I'm not a big fan of Kirsten Dunst. I think that I think she was great as a child actor uh, in Interview with the Vampire, uh, and she's good in Sofia Coppola movies. She's also good in The Virgin Suicides, but, you know, wasn't a big fan of her in the Spider-Man movies. Like, she's fine, Oh, but God, I hated her. I hated her in the Spider-Man movies. Um, but in this, I, she was really charming. Yeah, like I this really supports, liked her. You could in this actually, a lot. you could actually sympathize with her. What you need to do for yeah. the I think this is of the movie. for me. This is easily her best role. Like I don't even think it's close, especially as an adult. Like she's just she's yeah. really good here, and she has to be because so much. And I think that's the interesting thing about this movie is, I think we've seen movies about this this time period before where you you get kind of half with royalty and half with the people, mm. and I think it's a really kind of gutsy decision to make this movie be all about royalty and you never really hear about what's going on in the real world no, yeah, until get, like maybe an hour snippets. and a half in yeah and then you're like oh by the way shit's really bad no one has bread anyway uh, no more diamonds you know and it's just like i also whoa. i also love that the way that you hear about what's going on is because news is getting to the court right finally like, like yes like when they're like and she says let them eat cake and there's this whole scene of her being upset about it. like i would never say that right you know so. but then she doesn't you know, because she is this, you know, this this woman of means, essentially, she doesn't go out of her way to help either. No, she just so stops sending diamonds. That's all right, we're going to do. Right. Or like, no, I'm not going to tell people I didn't say it because I'm not even going to pay attention to it. Yeah. Like, why bother? Which is a really interesting choice because she is still somehow a character we care about right. and love by the end of this movie, even though she definitely has gone deep into this world of excess you know, and not not made it a point to go out into the real world and try to help. Right. Like she thinks making like there's a scene near the end where she thinks making an appearance at her balcony is going to kind of solve everything. I'm going to go and take a bow with all these people with pitchforks and it'll be fine. Right. And it just shows how naive she is. And I think there's a lot of that throughout the movie. And I think that's what at least for me, that's what kind of drew me to her character at the beginning 
is her naivety. Um, you know, she kind of walks into this now. She's going to be the queen. Like, I don't know how Take to deal with this. Take away her dog. Screw like, you guys. Take away her pug. Like, that's horrible. Um, but by the end of the movie, there is, I feel like you're definitely torn. Yeah. Like, you don't want her to die because you become attached to her. But you also start to understand why everything has gone I so think, wrong. I think um, in this movie in particular, we did, there was a really good job of traveling with the character through their transformation, but in mm. an opposite direction, right? Yeah. Most stories, you travel with them get, going towards being a better person to mm. where you are rooting for them. Sure. And this takes you the other way around, where you're rooting from, for them from the beginning, and you're like, well, now I feel kind of icky, and I'm not sure if right. I... I'm not like, sure if I should yeah. be rooting. I still am, but I feel weird about it. Right. Yeah. And it is, like, it's. we mentioned uh, earlier in our, in our earlier review about this idea of this is definitely a woman in history who people do not look well upon. She is no. demonized. Like she is the the picture of opulence and wealth gone wrong. So to make that your title character is not it's not an easy feat. And I think Sofia Coppola does a really good job with the script and with the direction of tying us to Marie Antoinette. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it more though, like I think Sofia Coppola just hates women. Oh jeez. Okay. Uh, Brit's views do not reflect the views of pop culture case study. I do not think Sofia Coppola hates women. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about it. And, like, at first, like, you are, like, this This character is, is a fairly strong woman who's doing what she should um, for her country and, and for her family and whatnot. Oh, you mean for Austria? Yeah, for Austria. Sure. Like, she's, like, um, doing the marriage for... For all that. Mm -hmm. um, she finally gets the life that she wants. Like, finally gets it to where her husband can get it up and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like, she gets demonized. Like, she demonizes herself. Like, like there's, like, there's no actual explanation why she decides to go and fuck that guy. Like, she just does it because she's a bad person. Uh, I don't... Hmm. I just think it's... Uh, I think it's it's showing, like, how how passion works. You know? The two of them are clearly attracted to one another from the very beginning. When they first meet, and she does, she doesn't have a horrible relationship with her but, husband, but, then, but it's no, not. Yeah, but then there's fulfilling. also there's all that there's that scene over the breakfast table, and like Sofia Coppola has a character basically call her a whore, mm. like, and there's there's a lot of that throughout this movie of women being called whores and looked down upon for their sexuality. But again, isn't that part of the time a woman who was open sexually during that period of time would be seen that way? Yes, but what I'm saying is we've been talking about her subtle, like, undertones and what she's trying to say in her movies, and if that's, like, something that's going throughout this movie, that's a problem. Yeah, I just, I, I just didn't get that from this movie. No, because you were, like, shiny. No, no, that's not it at all. I think, um, I think that moment is supposed to make Marie second-guess what she's doing. And make her think. But I don't think that's what that scene did. I think what that scene did was then alter the audience's view of her and start thinking of her as a whore and a bad person. Mm, see, I didn't I didn't have that moment. I think if someone's going to have that, they're going to have that because she's cheating on her husband. They're going to have that right away. You know? Like, I think that moment is to make her take a second in the throes of this of this passionate affair but to that, realize how people might think of yeah, her. Yeah, but none of that was getting through to her. Like, even when that word was being said, she was stuffing a cream puff in her mouth and making eyes at him. Yeah, it's it's another it's another part of the film where I think Sofia Coppola is showing, like, the dangers of excess. And is it subtle? Certainly not. There's nothing subtle about this movie, the way it was produced, the way it was written. But, I, th I mean, for me, it really works. Like I, I, I'm not saying the movie didn't work. I'm just saying that they're like I'm starting to see a troubling pattern in her movies. Yeah, I just don't see misogyny in this movie. I can see how you got there with uh, with the beguiled, 
But this seems this seems like well, that's what I'm saying. How like, you're this, going into this? This, this was a subtle version of it, and beguiled okay. was I'm going to beat you over the head with the fact that women are horrible and whores. Okay. All right. So let's see what happens with her next movie if she that makes you another one that you won't watch. She will make another one. I guarantee you, it will happen. Um, did you have any favorite moments of this movie of Marie Antoinette? Um, I think I wound up liking a lot of the sequences uh, when she's at her like the house that he gifts her, like all mm. the garden sequences and stuff. Um, for some reason, in my head, I remember the little girl dying. Mm-hmm. Like she, like for I, I must like be crossing with another movie because I could have sworn that the little girl got stung by a bee and died. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, or maybe I'm just writing a better movie. I don't know. Oh, look at you! This movie's fine. It's a good movie. You even said you enjoyed it more than you thought you would. Well, yeah, because I remember it being a bigger piece of shit. Uh, so you don't think this movie is good? I think it's okay. Okay. It's not like oh my god, you have to watch it. All right, so obviously, Britt, uh, not the biggest fan of Marie Antoinette. So we still got to ask our usual questions. Um, So is this a great movie? No. No. Okay. So um, is this something you can access? Like, do you understand why other people would really like it? Or are you like, kind of like, I don't get it? No, I get it. It's just not my, it's not my cup of tea. Right. Okay. It's not my cream puff. It's not your cream puff? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's not your, come on, it's not your piece of cake. It, is it? You know, come on. Marie she Antoinette. Wasn't, she wasn't even eating cake most of the time. There were cream puffs and eclairs and stuff like that. That's true. Also, why is she eating all that and not getting fat? Yeah, that is, uh, it's because interesting. Because like everyone she's eating it in bed, too. And not only her, but like all these other women are the tiniest things in the world. Yep. And they're all just eating nothing but sugar the yep. whole time. And champagne. Yes, yes. And somehow still keeping their size zero frame. Yeah. So you should just go on that diet. Just like cream puffs and champagne. Are you shaming me? <laughs> no. No, not at all. You just told me I needed to go on a diet. No, but you were the one who was like upset that they're maintaining size zero. Yeah. I was making an inference. I was sure. not making any judgment. All right. Anyway. Um, so the other question we always ask, like, do you see things in this movie that either are derived from older things or... Like, you've seen them later? Or does this kind of stand on its own? Like, do you see any connections to other movies? Uh, I don't see anything, like, directly connected. Obviously, she takes a lot of her inspiration from period dramas in general. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you mean, like, Jane Austen period dramas, or...? No, I mean, like, BBC. Oh, okay. Like... You had to get one more shot in, like yeah. no, not like a movie, <laughs> like a TV show. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, you know, and it makes me wonder, like, there aren't that many movies that have used like modern music in classic time periods. Well, like you mentioned, think, A Knight's Tale, like that. Yeah, but uh, but I think it, I think because people aren't making it work, that's the problem. Right. Like A Knight's Tale for me worked because the movie was also being campy and kind of ridiculous. Right. Having a serious period drama and then having I Want Candy in the background just didn't work for me. Didn't work for you. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we're going to move on from all things Sofia Coppola, uh, which I'm right. sure make, makes Britt very happy. Are we done yet? Uh, we're done with Sofia Coppola. Yes. Jesus. At least you are, it sounds like. So done. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about, the, I would say, the new releases next week, but it's really the new release. There's only one movie that is coming out in wide release, and that is... 
I think wrapping up the trilogy of uh, Planet of the Apes, this is War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, who I guess was in the press lately because he has been tapped to be the new director of the Batman franchise oh, for DC. Um, so, um, first, what is your history with Planet of the Apes in general, like the old ones and the new ones? And then we'll talk about whether we're excited about this or not. Uh, well, old ones I saw with my grandpa. Did you see all of them, like the whole, like, five or six of them? Or? I, like, I must have. Okay. Uh, so it was one of those things, because, like, I, like, as per usual with all of my movie watching, I watched them when I was really, really young. Uh-huh. Um, so I definitely remember, like, parts of, like, the first, second, and third. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and for some reason, we'll smash them together as being one movie. Like, right. I can't differentiate where they came from. It's too bad, because the second one is hot garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, ruins one and three. <laughs> no, but, but that's one, like, so, like, there's, like, scenes that I'll remember, but I can't remember, like, where they're Where from. they're placed. I haven't, yeah. I think the only one that I've ever, like, really rewatched is the first one. Oh, it's so good. I mean, that, like, I think it gets, it, like, people looking back on it, it kind of gets a bad rap as, like, being campy and over the top. But actually, it's really not. Like, yes, there are people in in gorilla suits. Like, it is, it has that ridiculous flair to it. But, like, it actually has a lot to say. Like, we did... Excuse me, they weren't just gorillas, Dave. I understand. But, like, we did an episode on it kind of talking about, like, the the combative nature of science versus religion. And that's, you know, that's one of the themes of that movie. Like, it's actually pretty deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, people see it as, like, silly costumes. But there's some... There's some interesting, uh, there's some interesting themes in those movies. I think sometimes people focus on that because they don't want to actually admit that there was something they should be paying attention to. Right, right. It's easier to laugh at than yeah. to take seriously. Yeah. So what about the the new, like the first two of the of the new Planet of the Apes movies? Well, I saw those with you. Yeah, but what did you think of them? They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that I had to say like who I saw them with and like. Huh? When. Fair enough. So yeah, whenever. we saw them Answering both in the theaters, now, right? I was like, oh no, I don't want to hear about that. Yes, we saw them both when they came out in the theater, and we saw them together. Um, I really like the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Serkis is amazing oh as always. Um, I think the first one and the first and second one. The first one I liked more. Sorry, I'm like having. Oh, really? You like the the James Franco one more? More because uh, just John Lithgow was so good. Oh, he was really good and heartbreaking. And I think that really showed Caesar's humanity Mm, mm -hmm. in a way that the second one doesn't. Mm, Interesting. Because the second one, the second one is more of Caesar like having to be a leader, right? Yeah, and Um, learn to speak and right, right. And I think the first one like shows. Like, that he's he's more than an ape. Like, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I would say, like, for me, I like the second one better, but I think they're both so necessary. Like, the first one, it, it I think that's what makes Caesar be able to bridge the gap between right. human and ape. You know, I, and I, th- I think that kind of the battle between the apes really worked, too. Like that, I think that I stuff. need to see the second one again, because I literally only watched it in the theater. Like, I haven't seen yeah. it after that. So. Yeah, I actually just recently rewatched them, because I was like, oh, this new one's coming out. I should try and remember what the hell happened in these movies. And and they were much... I mean, I remember liking them, but they were much better than I remembered. I, like, I was like, holy shit, I like, think, this is powerful stuff. Yeah, I think, I think... Much like the originals, where you're like, oh, it's an ape movie, whatever, but so no. So, I think part of what they're doing in this trilogy that is pretty amazing is like the the first the first movie is about what 
good humanity can do, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeing it through the tale of like the apes, right. but like we see like we see Caesar at least one evolved. or two we good see, humans. We see like him having love and care and like wanting to do something good for his people, right? Right. right. Where the second one, we see the darker side of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only in humanity, but we also see that that's still prevalent in apes because yeah. there's that whole like uh, a coup <laughs> and yeah. and like trying to murder him for trying to be yep. a peaceful leader. Yep. Um. So, like, I, I I think that's where we're where they're trying to take us on a journey. Right. Is is like like it, you can't get rid of all the different these different facets of humanity. Right. Like even when you're an involved being. Right. You're still going to fall prey to things like that. So Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, so what did you think of the trailer for War for the Planet of the Apes? I mean, I'm excited for it, like always. Um, it's interesting. I do like that with their trailers, they show the evolution of what's happening. Okay. Um, like, And that they give like little, like, and this is my favorite part, they give nods <laughs> to... This original series, but not like hitting you over the head with stuff right. like Transformers, right? You know, sure. like like oh look, like they're riding horses, and there's only like they they focus only on a couple humans, right? Versus like, and you see that through the trailers that the humor humans get less and less in the trailer, right? And it's more and more about the apes. So I like that there's that evolution. Yeah, I think my only my only problem with these trailers is like one. Um, they could put anything in this trailer and I'd be excited just because, like, I like the series, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. And two, like, in some ways, these are action blockbusters, but honestly, the things that I always remember from these first two movies are not the action beats. They're not, like, the like the big fight sequence. It's, like like you said, the evolution, the build of these characters. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in this movie. So it's interesting to hear these movies described as as action movies because well, there is action in them. Yes, but that's but how. Think but that's, that only, that's how they sell. That's right. how. That's oh, how yeah. you get the the normal person in to see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is getting really good early reviews. Uh, people saying like it's the best of the three, and you know, it, like actually, unlike most trilogies and blockbusters, actually makes you feel something instead of just like being an action spectacular. So. I just really hope that they they stick to this being a trilogy and don't get pressured by box numbers to try and make more. I think that's when series start to die. Yeah, I mean, it's... Stick to the plan. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just interesting, because, like, I always wonder, with series like this, like, was there a plan? Like, was it a planned trilogy? I or? remember when it was first being talked about that it was a planned trilogy. Okay. It was three movies, and that was it. Yeah. And it sounds like, like, from everything I've heard, it feels like this movie wraps it up. But my only real complaint is, once again, it's another fucking blockbuster movie that's two and a half hours long. Of course it is. Two hours and 20 are minutes. You, are you turning into me? Are you finally getting on the down with two no, hours? No, no, no. I'm fine with... No, it, two hours is fine. This is two and 20. No, see... This is almost two and a half. But, the, but that's, how, that's how they get you. Because at first you're like, oh, I can sit through two hours. And they're like, okay, how about two hours and seven You are talking minutes? to the person whose favorite movie is four hours long. Yeah, I know. I took so. a nap through that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You watched the whole thing. I watched Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, we we split it up into two days. Yeah, we took, took a, a break. Nap. Took two days. That's not a nap. That's sleep. You went to bed. <laughs> we made it to we made it to intermission. I took a nap, and I'm like, we need to watch this. Tomorrow. Yeah, we did it tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> and then you kept sleeping <laughs> from nap to sleep. All right. Uh, so I think we're both excited for War for the Planet of the Apes. We're both ready for that. Um, anything you want to talk about before we close out the episode? No. No. Okay. So the next time you hear me, uh, we will be doing an episode on uh, Matt Reeves, the director of War for the Planet of the Apes. We're doing. Uh, an episode on one of his previous movies, a vampire movie you called Wet Me. All 
All right, so until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you Something for what you, you call love, but confess. You've been a messin' where you shouldn't have been a messin'. And now someone else is getting all your best. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you.